What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Block Podcast. Coming back to you after a big 2-0 win against Columbus Crew. Man, what an insane game. Uh, What a really impressive result that was. Really excited to be talking about it. Um, First and foremost, though, uh, before we get started, before I introduce my co-host here with me today, want to give a quick shout out to the guys over at OC Fan TV for inviting me out to the watch party. Uh, Unfortunately, they were having some audio issues, so the plan was for me to go up on stage, answer some questions, do a little bit of halftime analysis. Uh, They were having some audio issues so unfortunately we couldn't do that uh but what was awesome about the event was the event itself um i mean i had a bunch of fun there were some great people out there uh david valentin was obviously out there but but got to meet some of the oc fan tv guys got to meet some fans that was awesome um really had a great time watching the win with them and they are planning on doing another event for the atlanta away match in september including they're they're planning on getting with ruckus and ilf getting the drum line out there really making it a big event for this uh the atlanta away match so keep your eyes peeled on that make it plans the matches in september so definitely uh keep it keep an eye on that and make plans to be there that being said we have a match to talk about we have a lot on the docket to talk about so uh adam my friend you are the co-host for tonight how are you doing tonight I can't find my unmute button. <laughs> uh, we're doing pretty good. You know, it's always exciting to have a, a convincing win against a decent opponent like that. So I'm excited to break this one down. Yes, 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 indeed. So uh, the, the first things first, I would like to talk about Araujo. I, th- I think that's where I really want to start. He had another great class. performance today. Yeah, or not today, on Saturday. You're right. He was class. And first and foremost, 21 years old. Um, he's come in, he's started every single match. It's clear this is his position now. It's not an injury-related thing. It's Araujo and Mendez or and Urso. Uh, it is not one or the other currently with the way he's playing. Um, I personally have put it down to uh, not only this. Uh, there are many facets of his game, but I think one of the big ones is his positioning personally so Mm -hmm. uh and and the way he he moves throughout the pitch so for example at one point in this match kyle smith stepped up to pressure the ball in and around that kind of right midfield area uh in between the 18 yard box and the halfway line if if you know what kind of area i'm talking about there listeners smith went up there and i just kept an eye on araujo and he just very calmly faded over to that right back position just stood in that space what do you know player gets past kyle smith and araujo is right there to clean it up and put pressure on the player i don't know if mendez does that and and maybe that's just me being um uh really dramatic but like personally well, i would have been the one that. with the initial pressure it would have been a different looking pressure that's fair. I, th- I think that's right. So, um, so first they and play- foremost, thoughts on Araujo and yeah. just 
does he deserve to be starting right now? Absolutely. Well, not does he, but like, are you okay with it? Because I know you're a Mendez oh, yeah. guy. I mean, you know, I love Mendez, and I think I think competition is good. I'm not going to sit here and say I want Sebas Mendez to start no matter what because I'm an Orlando City supporter first. I love Mendez. Don't get me wrong, and I still want him to see playing time. I and I think he will. And I think it is a good thing to have competition in that spot. If it was just Mendez's spot, you know, he's he has inconsistencies like every other player at this level. Sometimes he has off games. If Araujo is thought hand, there's nothing wrong with going with him. If he's a better matchup for whatever team we're playing, there's nothing wrong with going with him. Sometimes Mendez is going to be the better matchup. Like we saw Mendez started against Chicago. Oh, uh, I think they thought Shakiri was going to play. I think when we see they have like a star midfielder, of course, Zellerian does fit that bill. Um, whatever. But if we see a guy that maybe wants Sebas to man mark, maybe he'll he'll get the start. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's good to have that rotation, especially it gives Urso an opportunity to rest because there's nothing wrong starting both Aruho and Mendez because Aruho can sit and play the six or he can play the eight or they can flip-flop or whatever. Um you know, it's it, it is a good problem to have when you have three viable guys that can play a position at a high level. Uh, I think Urso has been the best of the bunch so far, but he's also the oldest and needs the most rest. Um, so that's where you get that rotation in. Uh, you know, but yeah, Arojo is his positioning is, is absolute class, and and that's his his greatest strength. I think that and his. His willingness to pass the ball forward, um, even if it doesn't always come off, he's not looking to play that safe pass all the time, and and it the team is better for it. It, it doesn't get stuck in that cycle of passing the ball between the midfield and and the center backs and and never getting anywhere. If it gets to Arujo, he's going to try to find Mendez or Torres or Pato if he's playing, and and that's because that's where the ball needs to go to end up eventually in the back of the net. And he is very willing to facilitate that. So I think that's a very big strength, especially given the the depth we have at Creative Playmaker, that he knows where the ball needs to go, and he's going to get there. Um, also on the goal, uh, Moutinho has been another one, which I wanted to uh, I wanted to highlight that a little bit. The uh, the weakness we've seen from Arujo has been his his um, deep line playmaking vision. I think, mm-hmm. which is different than just ball progression. Um, ball progression is just picking a, a pass that goes forward and making sure it gets to a teammate, which is one of his greatest strengths and something he's very good at. Vision for deep-lying playmaking is kind of starting a play and unlocking the defense with that first pass that beats a line or beats a defender. Joao Moutinho is very good at that. And, and you'll notice he was he was excellent at it in this match. Arojo, not so much. He that's where his inexperience shows. He's just not at that level of quickly reading a defense yet, and that's okay. He's what twenty one. I, I always <laughs> want to say he's like twenty eight because that's what he plays like. But he, we have to remember he's not that old yet, and and so we. I think if you look at the second goal, Moutinho Moutinho gets the ball after Arojo. So Benji Benji holds it up in midfield, gets it to Arojo. Arujo immediately gets to Moutinho, who I saw a lot in this match come up into that midfield in the left side eight role and, and kind of invert a little bit and play 
that deep lying playmaker role so that Aroho didn't have to. And then I thought mm-hmm. that's also when we saw Aroho drop behind him a little bit to cover him in case he lost the ball. And and that's a partnership that can work well, I think, kind of covering each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um I didn't know a little bit that, rambly. That, but yeah, yeah. Go, back, go back and look at it. So on the second goal to, to Urchankar, the one everyone, you know, lost their minds over, and rightfully so, we will break down that goal in its entirety later. The play starts. Um obviously the Benji holdup goes to Aruho. Aruho like takes one touch and then finds Moutinho and then drops behind him. And then Moutinho is the one tasked with unlocking the defense to start to get it to Benji and then Pereira. Yeah, it's the little things, right? And and I wanted to kind of on this topic ask this question in particular and, and first make this statement. I think this is what real depth looks like. You touched on it a bit there mm-hmm. um, with Araujo, Mendez, and Urso as a, as a trio and bringing Araujo in. Could Araujo actually be the, the signing of the season, like the most important signing of this season? One, with his current performances, and two, allowing us to not have to rely so much on Urso week in, week out. Is that a fair statement to make, or is it still Kara and possibly Faku? I mean, I don't I don't see a, a a need to assign one of them as the guy because nope, I think I'm making you. <laughs> you're making me. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far, yeah, I guess. Faku is making an argument. He's starting to turn it on, though, and we'll talk about him later. Um, I, th- I, think so. I think for us to have success, all three of these guys need to pan out, honestly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if they don't, I would say... Araujo is kind of the least important one that needs to pan out, but he's the one that is panning out the quickest. And not that any of them are unimportant because they all are all playing very important roles, but Kara is the only out-and-out striker that we have. Um, and Faku is our you know new YDP signing that we paid a bunch of money for, and he needs to be good. <laughs> Flat out, he need, and, and we don't have another winger of his caliber behind him, so... You know, I think I think if Adarujo didn't pan out as quickly, we would be fine with the Ur- Urso Mendez Perea rotation. Versus where if Kara or Torres busted, we would be in, in a bad spot. Um, yeah, but but think about this, right? Instead of having Urso start every match, now it's Urso and Me- or, or sorry I, Urso or Mendez starting every match and think, giving that rest to Urso is is clearly improving his performances. Yes, I am not saying it's unimportant. No, I'm yeah, yeah. That the other two are slightly more important. Obviously, we That's will fair. see very good dividends from from Araujo's rotation into the legit starting midfield rotation um towards the end of the season when we have three very good fresh midfielders. Yep. I think that's fair to say. All right, uh, moving on here. Um, let's kind of go sticking with lineup for a bit here. Obviously, talked about Araujo in the lineup. Um, Faku started on the left, and Benji started on the right. So there are two things for me that, obviously, me being someone who looks at what's happened and tr- tries to figure out the why. Did a coach do that? in terms of weird selections like this? My answers are, I think either one, Pereja wanted 
literally a right footer on the right and a left footer on the left. Or here's my other option I propose to you, and it's a little bit more complicated. So I'll try and make it as clear and concise as possible. But there was a really interesting tactical chess match going on at the right back position in terms of buildup for Columbus. So Columbus, like us a lot, build up down their right. Um, I went in back and watched for MLS Now podcast. Uh, I rewatched the Columbus versus Philadelphia match for the Patreon over there. And they build up all down their right, almost all game down the right, down the right, down the right, just like we do, like you and I saw on our match rewatching for the Orlando City versus Chicago match. So in this match, the pressing trigger was when the ball went out to the right back. So Steven Marrera, who is their right back, the pressing trigger was that. I think Pereja wanted Faku to be the one to trigger the press. Um, And then as the game wore on, Caleb Porter moved Marrero forward and then had Darlington Nagby pull out there. So that was the little chess match, and we struggled with that. He did that before the Galese fake injury that really allowed us to reset and regroup and then go on, and we scored a little bit after that. We we were struggling with that, and that's why Galese, I think, slowed down just to allow the team to regroup because we we weren't able to press that side anymore because that trigger was gone, and we, we just didn't know what to do. So, and then after we got our bearings they were pushing further more further ahead more uh then it became jonathan mensa went out there who's their center back and darlington nagby came in as a inverted option so really interesting chess match going on there uh the back and forth between the coaches um do you think it was more pareja wanted a left-footed left winger to get width down down the flanks of columbus or do you think it was the kind of pressing um trigger that that i was personally thinking even though it might not have worked i think you're right and i think we have to remember one very important thing here and that's that coaches are massive nerds (laughs) they because they are you don't spend that much studying a sport unless you're an absolutely gigantic nerd about it And, and anyone who has listened to oscar speak about soccer knows that 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 man is a nerd and we love him for it (laughs) that's a great way of summing it up i think they are i think it is that deep (laughs) straight up i think they i think that oscar preha and caleb porter both coaches who have been around the league a while and know how to win in this league and they hate each other yes that have a history and they and that want to beat each other so bad are absolutely taking it that seriously to the minutia of the detail. And that playing that little chess match that you called it, the little like tit for tat with the right back, it fits what we know about those coaches so well. I think you're spot on. And we did something like that in the Nashville game. So in the Nashville playoff game, I'm talking about the first half, Nashville spent the whole match the whole first half, sorry, building up the right, and we could not deal with it. I know we went 1-0 up on the corner, but we couldn't deal with it. They were, were putting a box around Moutinho, basically. I mean, we were struggling that, big time. Yeah. 
Columbus second was half taking it to us for for a while in this game for about mm-hmm. half an hour. Yep, and, and we had our bits of possession, but we weren't very dangerous. Uh, and sh- Columbus were definitely a little bit more dangerous in the Nashville match. What did we do to stop that second half? We put DK as a pressing trigger as soon as the ball went out to the right back, who I think was Alistair Johnson at the time, or, or no, it was um, oh, what's his name? The Nashville fans hate him. Dude, Miller, 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 yeah, yeah, Miller. They they hate him, but he had to start because of an injury. Because Dave Romney was injured. Yes, exactly. Yep. So so Miller started right wing back. Every time the ball went out to him in that second half, DK was there, and and he was applying pressure, and that really stopped that flow, and that's what allowed us to be more dangerous in that second half against Nashville. So personally, I I think Pareja. Going back to my question. I think that's the answer to why Facundo started left, Benji right, as a pressing trigger. And then we switched it. So my question to you now is, why do you think it was switched? Because they're better going forward the other way around. I, I do think it's that simple. That yeah, I, th- I think that one is that simple. So, so you, you know, you have your little nerd chess match between Porter and Pereja. And they're fighting over that right side buildup and whatever. And then Pereira's realizing, okay, I'm getting my ass kicked a little bit. I need to, I need to relieve some pressure. What do I mean to do? The best way to relieve pressure is to bring it to them on the other side and make them respect your, your attack, so they can't send as many bodies forward when they attack. And I think he realized that Faku on the left, Benji on the right, wasn't working that well. Um, I Faku really seems to prefer playing either centrally or or right. Um, because he likes to be inverted. He likes to cut in and kind of survey his options from that right side, like that right inner channel. Um, that seems to be his comfortable spot rather than, you know, sticking on the left wing um, and, you know, having to play from the outside. And, and I think uh, Hosema Bazan at halftime said as much that, they weren't getting the results they wanted on the wing, and they had to work on that in the second half. I think it's because for the majority of the first half, the, the wingers weren't in their preferred positions. And and I think we've seen Benji have more success um, on the right side as well. Just, on the left, you mean? Or, yeah, left side, not right side. On the left side as well. Yeah, um, I agree. We've seen, we've seen him be more dangerous in that spot because he can, you know – do his little cut in there that he likes to do. And also he was, he was doing very well um, stretching their defense on the left side and just making those forward runs, pushing them back, um, which happens to be their right side, you know, and, and that kind of killed their right side buildup a little bit because they had to start from farther back. So um, I, I think you're right personally. Um, I, and you, you know, you literally referenced Bazan state. Hosema Bazan saying as much. Um, so now I'm, I'm going to pose this question to you. Facundo Torres specifically, do you prefer him on the left or on the right? Right. I think it's, so, it's very obvious that he is more comfortable on the right and he plays better on the right. He might and, be and, yeah. more comfortable on the right, but I'm going to... in typical Gavin fashion disagree with you Adam <laughs> so let me let me, <laughs> let me lay this out um and, and it's not I don't want to be biased I, I just or I just want to I just want to note for all our listeners Gavin is going in favor 
of the formation that we did not score two goals with. Carry on. Well, it wouldn't be Benji on the right. It would be Pato, um, to be to be quite frank. Um, first of all, all of Facundo Torres' goal involvements have come from the left. Just first and foremost, even in this match, where is he in the in the attack? He's, okay. he's in the middle, but he's on the left. Okay. The first one was okay. The first one was, was off a set, a, piece. A set yes. piece. You're right, and that was where the but space it's on the left. was. It, yep, that was where the space was. He didn't. He, the, if the space was on the right, the he would have gone to the right. He he made that run from central midfield. But does he make that cross on his right foot? No, I mean, I mean, he no. could. I'm not saying he can't. He's a professional player. But like, it's first of all, that cross from him is gorgeous. First time it, in it the was area. Gorgeous. And the but, second one, yes, he was technically on the left side of, of let's say the halfway bisection line, but he was he was in the central zone. He was in the it was central a, zone. It was yeah. not a left wing. And to be fair, he does kind of. Line he cuts in from the right to the left. So that's fair. But, you know, you talk about his goal that's coming, cutting to the left from, from Cara against Galaxy. Uh, you, you talk about the cross against Cincinnati, I think, for Urso's goal that's coming from the left. And maybe I'm a little biased here. The first time we saw him on the scouting report, you and I had this discussion because do you remember that terrible YouTube video where it was, like, a horrible angle and he was playing left wing? Oh, yes. I, I really liked his two-way ability to be able to cut in or go out wide from the left. And to me, I've just I've I've always liked him on the left. And, and on the right, I won't lie, I've been pretty disappointed at times in in the final third. You know, we, we even saw it in this match when he went over to the right, he got through on goal, not through on goal, but he got to be able to run out of defense yet again. It's like a 4v4 opportunity, and he shoots it from 20-plus yards. And it's like, I, oh, I, I don't one? know what's yeah, I don't I did, know what's going on there. It's no, a, I didn't hate that one. The, you're talking about the really long shot he took? It's a 4v4 opportunity. You can't be taking no, a long wasn't. shot from there. No, it wasn't. Uh, we'll get there. Was okay. way far behind him. I Just, actually, I'll so have to rewatch I, it. I actually did rewatch that today. I paused it at the moment that his foot struck the ball. Uh, Kara is the only one level with him, and he's kind of behind on his left, and he's covered. Benji is a good, at least five yards behind him. There are people in front of him though to play off of. No, there's no one in front of him. There's no one. There's no one what, in front of him. What minute is he's... it? <sighs> you remember? No, I don't. Okay, I'll have to find it. Um, you're you're talking the about the one where he tried to he tried to uh, chip room from long range, right? No, 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 no. Okay, so this no, is a different one. Though. No. Oh, I was fine with the chip. It was kind of okay. It was like whatever. No, I thought that's no, 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 what no. you're talking about. No, there is a point where he is on the right flank. It's in the first half before we score, and he is running at Columbus's back four. No one in front of him, except for the back four, obviously. And we have two, three, or four players in front. Two or three players in front of him, and he shoots it from about twenty yards away. And and I was I was like, are you kidding me? Like. Keep running, force someone to commit, pass it into the space. It's 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 simple, right? So on the right, he's been doing stuff like that. I've highlighted it since the freaking Chicago match, uh, the first Chicago match where he where he's done it. He's done it against Galaxy. He's made, he, like, I don't know, like that's frustrated we, me on the right. I think the maybe left, we're I overcomplicating think, this a little a little much. No, oh, hear me out. I think on the right, when he's able to free roam across the pitch, 
I've said it before, he roams into people's spaces, and him and Maurizio Pereira, when they're both on that right side, struggle to co-mingle. I think they both get in similar areas. They get too close. The spacing isn't right. Whereas on the left, I I, I really I really like him better on the left, personally. I, I don't know if it's just the stricter role to, to only cut into the middle of the pitch, um, but I just think he looks a lot better there. That being said, he gets moved over to the right. He gets that free roaming ability. He gets the assist on the second goal, a freaking crazy assist for the second goal at that, and gets a really good cross off on the first one. So obviously he's a good player either way. I personally just prefer the left. I I think we're I think it, at this point it, it's not that deep. Maybe if here's the thing. Also, we have eight games of sample size, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he's played both positions left wing and right wing so we have less we have about let's say for argument's sake he split his time evenly between the two which i doubt he has but let's say he has so we have four games of each to go off of that is not enough to draw any hard conclusions it that's very straight it's not if, if we were to do that versus a whole season or say even three years to draw conclusions it does it doesn't hold up to be statistically significant um so let's let's point that out so far that we're literally judging him off the the first eight games in an orlando city uniform let alone say we judge him off an eight game stretch uh in, uh in like the final third of the season when he's you know adjusted to the league a bit more and how our style of play is supposed to work and you know, Erchan Kara is is Erchan Kara is just starting to to feel it. You know, he he hasn't had. Oh, you are sharing a screen. I thought we like stopped recording for a second. I'll no, you're fine. Sense, can so. you can you see the can you see the player now? Um, I see a black. Oh video. no. Okay, I was sharing the the play. That the oh yeah. You can see. keep you can keep talking. Um, yeah, I found it's it. Probably so YouTube TV. Me yeah. like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. Sorry, you can keep going. Um, so Erchan Kara is just starting to, you know, feel it and get integrated fully into into our style of play and where he's supposed to move and all that. So Faku hasn't had a, a really solid central target to play off of up until literally this match. Um, and he Kara was also getting in good possess positions against Chicago too. Um so what what I'm really trying to say here is I think Faku Torres is good, and I think whether you put him on the left or the right, he will be good. I have personally like him better in that free role because I think that his potential is higher there. So that's why I said right. But if he's going to be aces on the left in that position and Pato is going to be aces on the right in, in his free role, and you know they're all going to switch into the middle, which... Honestly, the most impressive things from Faku we've seen have been when he's switched into the middle anyway, mm-hmm. uh, which he could do from either side. So I don't think it's that big a deal. Can you see the screeners? It's still black. Still black. Man, screw y'all, YouTube TV. All right. Well, it's in the 24th minute if you want to go back and watch it, but pretty frustrating there for me. Um, yeah, that's fair. 100%. Um, I do agree with the middle thing. Um with Facundo Torres, but I do think it's an interesting talking point whether he should be a left winger or a right winger. Sure. Um, I think this would be a much better thing for us to revisit when we're kind of heading into playoffs. 
Mm-hmm. Unless he's just taken one position and stayed there and it's obvious. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Faku left winger, we did have a question from Taylor at Orlando underscore city UK. Shout out to Taylor. Uh, do you prefer Benji left winger and Faku right winger or Faku right winger and Benji <laughs> left winger? I don't know if he meant to just kind of do that as a joke or if that was actually uh, supposed to be switched around. Um, so so that, I hope that answers the question. 100% always prefer Benji on the left. I yeah, think Benji's he's, better on the left. I think he's pretty poor on the right, personally. Um, and, and then Benji, Faku... Benji was very good on the left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still struggles in the dribbling department, but, you know, not much we can do about that at although, this point. Although, on, on that second goal, he had a very good dribble. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's a professional player, so I'd hope he could do it once in a while. <laughs> But yes, that's a that's yeah, yeah. a good point. I think we'll talk about that in a second. But I I think the goal doesn't happen without him. Okay. Um. But first and foremost, I think it's fair to give Schlegel his due. I, I really think it is. I th- this was a fantastic performance Chase from him. Specifically requested that we do. Yes. Um. For his doppelganger, of course. Um. First and foremost, he saves a goal. He saves a goal with that 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 block shot. I mean, he's really good at that. We've. We've seen he's good at saving goals, scoring goals. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but so so first and foremost, I, I don't want people to forget that fact. He blocks a, a ball that's going in the back of the net. I, I think it hits off his left leg and goes out for a corner. Uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't stand strong there, if he doesn't get into that position, it is one zero Columbus. So a uh, big block there goes up the field and scores. But then he's blocked a couple more shots. He 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 made some big tackles. He made a big interception. Like one of the best Schlegel performances I think we've seen in an Orlando City jersey. Um, what do you have to say about about the uh, performance from Schlegel? I thought I think he's been really good this entire season. Uh, when he's when he's at. When he is coming at the at the end of games to help close out a game, or before AC went down, he was he was good in that role. I think he's matured, and you know, in past couple years, we've seen him sometimes go too hard into a tackle. He's um, a few times, you know, stood over a guy after he brought him down, and you know, done the step over and been that you know kind of enforcer, agitator, like instigator kind of guy, which mm-hmm. I don't think you want your center back to do. You want your striker to do that. You want a guy that's going to pick up like three yellow cards an entire season, not a center back. Um, and I think that he's been much calmer in his decision making and tackles. He hasn't like dove into tackles as much or tried to destroy guys. He's just you know calmly been in a good position and made a solid tackle, which is really what you want to see from a guy, unless they're going to be like Janssen and you know come in violently but always win the ball. Um, but but Schlegel Schlegel wasn't doing that, so he he has shown more restraint this season. And then honestly, he's been playing that calmer role in the partnership between him and Janssen since AC went down. And he's been the guy who Janssen has been more aggressive. I mean, Schlegel still comes up from time to time and tries to step up, but Janssen's been the more aggressive one because we want he's the one we want winning the ball anyway, and then carrying it into midfield and, and picking out a pass. You don't want Schlegel doing that. Um, so he's been the guy covering Janssen's back and Araujo too, and Mendez when Mendez has played have been the guys covering Janssen's back. Well, Janssen has been up 
kind of turning into like an Eric Dyer esque destroyer. Um, so I, I think it's been a remarkable maturation of his style of play and all credit to him. Cause it's, it's one thing to put in the physical effort to train your body and, you know, get more athletic and, and get, you know, athletic skill going and how to make a tackle and all that. It is another thing entirely to change how you play the game mentally for the better. And it shows he's put in a lot of study and a lot of, you know, uh, work into increasing his soccer IQ. And that's not even to say anything about him getting on the end of a set piece and putting one in. Yep. So I, uh, I thought he's, he was man of the match for me. Easily honest. Easily man I thought, of the match. I thought he, and that's not because he scored the goal. I mean, it helps. No. But he was so freaking good. Yeah, he really was. Did you know, I counted it earlier, he started 16 matches last season? I did not. Wow. One, two. Three, I guess we did four, have some injury five, issues. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He started 17. Yeah, because Janssen, both Janssen and AC went down at different times last season. Yep. Um, and if we remember, our best spell of the season was with him starting early on before he, he did he get injured or what? I think it might have just been. No, from his father's back. well Janssen yeah, came back, oh, yeah. but I think also his father yeah. his father's passing was around that same time too That's so they, they might have shoehorned Janssen in earlier than they wanted to but he was playing really well and I think this this kid is a is a confidence player I think he's a confidence person overall um and his confidence is high I I, I think and and I mean are you at all worried that we could see a dark side of Schlegel should, should his confidence dip. So should he have a bad performance? Yes, right now his confidence is really high. And I'm just I'm just trying to think long-term here for a second. His confidence is really high, so he's going to be playing at a high level. Let's say we see a mistake or two. We see a couple of bad performances from him. Is there a concern from you that we could see that really high high, but also that really low low? I mean, that's that is the major concern with him. You know, I, I kind of don't want to think about that. Yeah, um, we have to be realistic that that's why he's a, you know, generally a backup is because he we have seen really good performances from the past. We've also seen not so good performances in, in the past, and he's been he's been a consistent consistency issue with him. I think I even noticed like when he played um, the Colorado preseason game when he came in, I thought he looked different from mm-hmm. years prior I, I i think i I told you that during the game i was like schlegel is carrying himself differently and and i don't know what that is yeah I, I think I, don't, I think you're right i think he's just mature. i don't want to make any assumptions you know on what may have happened with him personally i, I don't want because you know we don't know so i don't want to put anything out there but i just think he seems like a different person than he has been in the year in years past for some reason that doesn't worry me as much as it might have before that him losing confidence or going through a really bad run of form. I think that's fair. I I can't, I can't give any real logical reason to it other than he just seems to, it seems different this time. I mean, has he really ever been like horrible for us? 
I no, mean, I don't think he's ever been really bad. I just think he's. I mean, at, he's just at not certain been points. You know, not been AC or Janssen. Right. And yeah. He's made a mistake here or there, maybe given up a goal or two. I don't think he's had any game where you know he's you know gotten a yellow card and gave up a pen and you know gave up another goal. <laughs> right. Like, that's yeah. shocking. You right. Know, some, like Seb Hines, David Mateo's performance, like stuff like that. Never <sighs> been like that. But, you know, he's been sometimes we've seen him like get too aggressive or get a yellow card and then play aggressive on that yellow and almost get <laughs> sets off or just things that you don't always want your center backs to be doing. He has done in the past. Yep. So we did get a question here. Updated thoughts on Schlegel two games in from at FL data dude. He says there were some nervous folks on the pod two weeks ago. Has he allayed fears? I think that answers it. Yes, he has for now. Um, I'm always going to be nervous, uh, but that's just the way I enjoy this sport somehow. Um, he also said he saw lots of simple clearances downfield this game, similar to how Antonio Carlos would do them. All right. Um, next, I I think it's time. I think it's time. Let's talk about the cargo. Right. Like we can, well, we should, we should talk about, we should talk about the Rodrigo goal first. We haven't touched on that. So I, I noticed. So. I noticed, I just want to briefly say, in the first half, while, while Columbus was kicking our asses for about the first 30 minutes, we were still getting good chances on set pieces. And you know, we, we had two guys out there in Urso and Torres who are good at drawing fouls. We had, I think, three decent set piece chances before the one that went in. We've had a lot of decent set piece chances this season. So obviously we scored last game against um, yeah. Chicago. We had a big miss from, was it Tesho off of a set piece header? Yes. Was it Tesho's or was it Benji's? It was Tesho's. Um, In the LAFC match when it was three to two, Moutinho at the back post missed a big header. Um, Our set pieces have improved massively. It seems like something that we really spent some time on this offseason. Well, if you, the the, um, the one against Chicago, that car scored, that was the back post to Pato with Moutinho blocking, and then Pato put it back in, and Tesho, you know scored mm-hmm. it that we, we recognized or yeah Kara scored it sorry we recognized that was a planned play like that i think and i think that there has been a lot of coaching on this in the off season that they recognize that they need to be, to do better about converting set piece chances and i think there's a much more understanding of how to make that happen now and we talked about that in the Faku scouting video. This guy draws yeah. a lot of fouls. We talked about it in the Kara scouting video. Kara draws a lot of fouls. He drew the most yeah. fouls in Austria last season. Yeah, like because his holdup play is so good, he's going to get hacked. And he's drawing fouls this season. I, yeah. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know I've seen two. He's so probably averaging have, around two fouls a game. He's and playing. honestly, Mauricio gets fouled too a fair bit. Yeah, really. And so, like, for starters, talking about just shifting to Gaston Gonzalez real quick. Gaston Gonzalez does a lot of the the crossing set pieces for um, his team. Who does he play for? Estudiantes? Um, Uh, Union. Union. Shoot. Argentinian folks are going to kill me for that one. (laughs) Union Santa Fe. Yep. So, like, that's one thing. And and so we we are clearly taking advantage of it. But also, the, the set play that we scored off of, yes, it was a broken set play, but it starts off as what looked to be a planned set play with a, a short a short pass out to I think initially Facundo who put the initial mm-hmm. cross in. Yeah. So like that's another and, plan. And I think there plan. there there's plans there to have a guy out there with crossing ability like Faku that 
you know, can put a good ball back in the mix or not just have, you know, Juan or Araujo back there to recover. Have a guy out there that can put a good ball back in for a second chance on these set plays because you still got all your guys out there. So it's, you might as well double your chances if you can recover that second ball and the defense is, might be in disarray at that point like it clearly was. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, just set pieces have been important to us this season, and we've already converted on two of them. Is there a worry at all that both of the first goals of these last two games has come from set pieces, and is no. that a reliable solution moving forward? It, no, it's a it's a part of the game. Take it where you can get it. I like and, that. And, it, and if and if it's <laughs> if it's intentional, like like the 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 car's first goal that was an intentional planned set piece play let's not act like it was an accident like just a cross bell to him and he got lucky they meant to do that (laughs) and then they shut it down afterward they stopped attacking they're like okay we're done chicago's clearly not doing anything we're gonna stop trying and also we we had like three or four other chances in the run of play that game i'm not worried and i will also reference um Colorado Rapids seem to get 10 to 12 goals off set pieces every season. They're, they're always leading the league. This is a league where you can succeed on set pieces consistently. Yes, absolutely. I think in yeah. other leagues, it can be kind of a, even even if you train you know, all the time on set pieces, it can be a crapshoot just because of how good teams are at defending them. I wouldn't try it in but the not this league or the Premier League. No, but, but in this league, I, I would say... That it is a fair chance. I'm looking at the Faku chip here. Yeah, that's that's really all he could do in that scenario. Um, yeah, he did not have support. No. Okay. So now, can we talk about the cargo? Absolutely, we can. Because I will say all can, when I all, when I did all, my rewatch day for the people listening, and you can find a, a, a small breakdown of this on a a tweet that Gavin had, where he's posted a screenshot of my text to him. I literally spent a good 20 minutes rewatching the buildup of this play. It's so so before you get into it, I just want to say great cross by Facundo um, to Urso, who then did a great one-touch layoff to a probably offsides Rodrigo Schlegel, but Pro actually did the right thing and said it's not clear and obvious because it wasn't clear and it obvious. It wasn't. Break it, down the, this The video was at me. an angle anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I, one more thing about the goal. I do like not having Faku in the box on set pieces. Because yeah, he's tiny. not very big. He's little and he's quick. <laughs> you know, up on so I, I, I like, I really do like him. And I think we've seen a lot of him in that outside cleanup role where he can then be unmarked with space and time. Mm-hmm. I really, okay. On to crosses in onto this absolute beauty. Okay. So first we have Cal Smith throws it in, um, I forget who it is. Uh, center back launches it long, gets knocked down, finds its way to Benji. What does Benji do? He tries to go forward. He's immediately closed down by two players. He dribbles backwards and past Benji might have just made the easy back pass to either um, uh, Janssen or the goalkeeper or whoever. That didn't happen. He knew for some reason that something special was going to happen. And so what he does is he does a little juke and then he contorts his body to be able to get a 
sideways pass to Arujo, and it's not an easy move. If you have a way to rewatch this game and go see the full, there's a 15 pass sequence that leads to this goal, and every bit of it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I recommend you do it. They should have, I told Gavin, they should have a clip of this playing on loop in the low, the Louvre, Louvre, Louvre. How do you the say Louvre. that? The Louvre. I don't speak French. Um, <laughs> so I don't speak French. <laughs> <laughs> it's so <Did> beautiful. We... <laughs> anyway, so he, he like contorts his body to get that sideways fast. I don't know who, who has a little bit of time and space makes one touch. Picks out Moutinho. Moutinho is going to fake out his defender with a spin and then cross them back over and then make a line-breaking pass that beats two defenders to Benji. Benji's going to stretch the field a bit, let Moutinho, or let Mauricio catch up. A little give-and-go with Mauricio. Benji stretches the field even more. This creates space underneath for Mauricio to operate, uh, drift in and invert. Mauricio's playing this left eight, right? So it gets he Benji stretches the field all the way to that left side far touch line. Pass back to Mauricio. Mauricio drifts you know, in, waits for his support. Urso comes up. Urso is going to play an extremely important part. Urso takes a marker off of Mauricio, lets him get it in to Kara. Something like that. I'm, I'm doing this from memory. It's Just Faku. Get, it, like get into Faku. Faku passes back to Mauricio, gets out to Urso, who is then drifted away from his marker and is in space. Urso has that split second of, of keeping the ball safe and Mauricio goes back up, gets it to Faku, who then hips it to Kara. Kara has this perfect spin move where he oh, boxes he knees out. It. Oh, he knees it. Okay. You know, so much more control. <laughs> Kara pulls out this perfect spin move where he somehow boxes out the defender while spinning around him and then slots it calmly. The calmest you will ever see someone just scoop a ball into the perfect top corner. I just hit my mic. Y'all probably heard that. <laughs> it's it's so beautiful. And it's and I, I was so mad because Bleacher Report picked it up because it's a beautiful goal. I was mad at two things. One, they didn't show the entire sequence because it's it's art. It's absolute artwork. And, and my description does not do it justice. Go watch it if you can... It, well, we we should clip it honestly and post it because it's so beautiful. Um, I, I'm going to, yeah. Yes, it's so good. Second, all of the Euro snobs in the comments being like, "Oh, it's MLS. That was accidental. There's bad defending. There was no part of that 15 bass sequence that was accidental." Shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> it was it was so good. It, the the build up, Benji playing that left wing role perfectly. Mauricio directing traffic. Urso finding the holes in their zone to perfectly keep the play alive. Faku and Kara, you know, making magic in the box there. They're connected. I think they connected like four or five passes in the box. Not quite. It was Not just quite. around the outside. outside. It was three so in the were, box. It was where those it was where the all those defenders were congested. Yep. Yep. That's yep, yep. crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And, and Gavin and I both agree on this. It's the best goal Orlando City has scored in MLS. I can't mm-hmm. vouch for the USL days, but I haven't. There's that one Christ era one or JOC era one where it ended on like the Will Johnson header after the, a bunch of passes, I think. Yep. And then there's like that 
that cacao one from 45 yards out. I think this is better than both of those. Yeah. So I'm going to take my turn to um, drool over this goal. So, and we'll talk about some stuff along the way. So first and foremost, it is Smith who clears the ball after he throws it in. It's a one-two with Faku. First point is Kara is the one who you guys are probably sick of to death of me saying it uses his body well to put pressure on Jonathan Mensa. We win second ball. It, it's just a straight second ball sequence. Kick the ball towards the middle. Have your striker put pressure. Does the ball fall to your guy? Yes. Okay, we continue up the pitch. Simple stuff. You know, every team does this. You're right. Benji does really well to keep it into Araujo. Gives it back to him. Now, Moutinho. The spin. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Love every second of it. The next thing I wanted to pinpoint is the stretching run of Benji. Now, I texted you at one point that this goal doesn't happen with Faku on the left. And, and, I, and I know I've said I like Faku on the left, obviously. Yeah, you're probably right. But I, I don't think it does because Facundo Torres is not a stretcher. He is someone who, who comes and shows for the ball. Whereas yeah, Benji... He would have tried, tried to cut in and beat a defender. Yep. So Moutinho doesn't have this ball down the line to Faku, who is run, who, or sorry, to Ben. Yeah, he doesn't have it if Faku's on the left. Instead, Benji's on the left. He makes the run down the line, gets the touch, sprints down the line. This is why I'm excited for Gaston Gonzalez. I'm not saying he's going to start every match, but I think he's a higher quality Benji. He's going to stretch the play. He's going to bring us balance to the left-hand side. I think the left-hand side works a lot better with the stretcher. I don't... I, I know I just said that kind of contradicts my point about Facundo Torres, but with the current setup we have, I like Facu down the left. Now, down the right, then what do we do once Gaston Gonzalez gets here if he's a starter? Again, we can relitigate that another day. He probably won't be a starter, even though I, I think I would like him to be one. But... This goal doesn't happen without Benji making that run. So, you know, so many startable players is a horrible problem to have. It's such a horrible problem to have. This is real depth. We did not have real depth last season, even though we thought we did. Ever. <laughs> this is real We've depth. We've never had real depth ever. Yeah. So so then Facundo does the, the good thing here. He first tries to make a run in behind, and then it's like, oh, I got to show because there's nobody showing. And then shows... Makes the good pass. Urso makes a really underrated pass out to Pereira, in my opinion. And then the rest is history in the box. And, of course, again, Kara uses his body well. I'm just going to say that again. Um, on the turning goal. And then these are the type of goals we have seen did from Kara. Did you watch Urso's movement off the ball, though? Yes, I did. Uh, I, I didn't want to. I thought you kind of pointed that out, so I didn't want to just repeat yeah. that. But, um, yes, his off-ball so movement to move into the space that was vacated. The goal doesn't happen Herrera. without him. It doesn't? No. We could talk about a million different things from this goal. I'm yeah. just... It is easily the best goal in our history. It is... It's, this is the joy that this sport can bring. All in one goal. You can just... When, when everything goes right like this, and it's just so aesthetically pleasing, and, and just... Oh, I, I did, just, you, did you see they showed Oscar Reja after that goal and he didn't look nearly as excited as everyone else. And I like, think it was I think it was just something he was like, finally, 
yeah. it was like a very quiet satisfaction from him. He's like, this is it. This is like the peak. This is the yeah. pinnacle of a goal that could be scored. This is like a coach's goal. Yes. Like like all the coaches, you see how excited they are. You know, Pereira's like got his hands in the air like, oh my God, what did we just yeah. do? Like, honestly, guys, I, I don't think it's hard. It's it's um, it's that out of the realm of possibility to say this could be up for a postcast. I don't think that's being dramatic. If they were to take into account the entire buildup. I... I think because it's MLS, they won't. Right, but which I think is BS. Because this goal let's, is let's say, let's say Barca had scored that goal theoretically, it would oh. win. Yeah. If if any if like old Barca with Iniesta, and Messi, and Neymar and Suarez and all them, if they had done all that, it, it would win Puskas award easy. Because I think. Did I think Jack Wilshers did did his get the pill the Puskas? Jack Wilshire Puskas. Um no, he did not win the Puskas. For but any I of you think- that don't know, Puskas is the best goal in the world for that year. Um yeah. I know Olivier Giroud got one for a scorpion kick. That was a great one. And then um didn't Wayne Rooney win one for the his famous bicycle? I think so, yes. I think this one um, could be up there. It it's so good. It should win MLS goal of the year. It probably won't because we're it's Orlando City. <laughs> and it's not also, even look like it's gonna win goal of the week. Right? It, well it's because they didn't show the whole clip. I know. And like honestly, the announcer on it was horrible. It was like Ankara, what a goal. <laughs> like honestly, like if, even Evan didn't do yeah. it justice, I don't think. Oh, and yeah. Evan usually does. I was yeah, but, like honestly. I, Evans was better, but I was just one yeah. in Evans' call. Yeah, which it happens, but like maybe he was just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, you're it just like just, waiting for something to go wrong, and it just didn't. It just didn't. It was perfect the entire way. It, uh, like I said, I watched the replay of this goal for legitimately 20 minutes today. When was the last time that you watched a goal like that? I'm just. I'm I can't remember. Butterflies it, thinking about it. it. It literally does. Yeah, it brings me joy. Like we could spend the rest of this podcast. And I mean, like it. at uh, Pints with Pereja, I even asked him, like, "Hey, are we gonna see stuff like this this year?" Yep. Question answered. Seriously. Yep. Um, Thank you, so, Oscar Pereja and Orlando City. If we, and I know I will regret saying this later, if we don't win anything else this year, at least we have that goal. It was that yeah. good. Yeah, it really was. I, like that, that I, I think, yeah, just just that's the pinnacle. Usually in, in those sweeping moves, one little tiny thing goes wrong and just the whole thing doesn't end up happening. And on this one, every single thing went right. And that's why it's so rare. That's why it's so hard. What's your favorite part of the goal? We outlined 20 different things that we loved about it. What's your favorite part? <sighs> You know I'm a sucker for good midfield play. It, it might be Urso's off-ball movement. It's so intelligent. Yep. It is I think ridiculously that's fair. high soccer IQ. Absolutely. He knows exactly when to t- take a defender with him and exactly when to separate with it. Um, and I know it, it's a small thing that I, probably a lot of people didn't notice on the first watch through. I didn't either. 
And then I like, I did the, the deeper dive in it. I'm like, holy crap, that's incredible. And it's so small. Also, um, I'll say Benji. Benji, I think, had played Benji and Mauricio, I think, played equally huge parts in this goal. For me, my favorite part is the um, Maurizio first time pass into the box. It's yeah, that, the that ball is ridiculous. flying to his left knee from Urso, and he contorts yeah. his body just enough to get it, of course, to Kara's right foot, which is exactly yes. where it needed to be for this to happen because um, he's Maurizio Pereira. Um, <laughs> so uh, I mentioned this to Gavin before we, we started recording. Mauricio Pereira is having a best 11 caliber campaign. Best 11 easily, yeah, thus far. Thus, thus far, far, yeah. Yep. I don't know that he's gotten the the media hype from it, but he has been that good. If you look at all of his underlying passing numbers, he's top five in every single me- metric. Interesting. He's, yeah. We we give Mauricio Pereira some people to run in behind, some people to um, give him some right. more space, and he starts to improve. Somebody and, to play and, off and, of as a striker. Weird, and right? We, and we t- t- bring in two guys that can occupy that central playmaker role so that he doesn't always have to fill it. Huh. He can float out to the left, float out to the right. Where have he, we heard he, that one before? Uh, it's, a, it's funny how things work like that. <laughs> oh, man, I love our freaking scouting department. <laughs> Bro, imagine if Pato had been healthy last year. Yeah. That is a big bummer, isn't it? Because yeah. he's been insane. And we don't have to play him every match, and we can still do stuff like this. Exactly. That's that's For... what depth looks like. Yeah, literally. All right. Um, uh, last thing, last few things. First and foremost, after a rough home loss against LAFC, I was alone on the pod, and I went in-depth numbers-wise on home form and away form sort of thing and the outcome of that i wouldn't say rant but just deep dive um after a frustrating defeat was that we needed around a 1.8 ish 1.7 1. 1.8 ish points per game uh form on the road if we wanted to hit the same exact 51 point total that we hit last season which got us i think sixth place fifth or sixth place last season and currently in our last 20 matches or 15 just to be consistent because that's what i did last time 15 matches home last 15 matches on the road here we are currently at a 1.2 points per game which is really not that bad and i think there there's like a three or four losses in a row that really brings it down if we were to narrow it to just this season of course we're on a two points per game basis on the road um, which is definitely good enough to give us to get us playoffs, unless we literally lose all of our home matches, which isn't going to happen. Um, that is easily good enough to get us playoffs. So while I was down on our home form, our away form has been killer so far. Adam, just your quick thoughts on why why are we potentially a better team on the road than at home? Uh, is that fair to say? I think it is. Again, I, I go back to sample size. I don't think it's I don't think four games of each is big enough to draw major conclusions yet. But but okay, but hear me out. Last season we were the second best team, I believe, in MLS in terms of I think road form. Part of it is to do with coaching. 
And if you yep. if if you look at the person Oscar Pereja is, he's very level headed. Um, he doesn't get too excited outwardly about a lot of stuff. Um, so I think that his team kind of emulates that in that, you know, road road games aren't the occasions to them that they are to other teams. The, the, the moment doesn't seem too big. They they don't get too nervous. They they don't get intimidated by the opposing crowd or too worried about the um you know staying in a hotel or the flight or whatever. I um it, an interesting thing uh, at Pints of Pareja and and I think after after a dominant performance like this, he's after the 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 first thirty minutes we were dominant. Um we kind of that kind of show a coach's philosophy and how they want to play. We talk about them a little bit and the best insight we've got from him so far has been Pines of Preha where we, we got to actually talk with him and meet him. And he told us about when they had gone to where'd they go um, on training vacation, but very loosely um, this, this off season, Port St. Lucie. They went to Port mm. St. Lucie, Vera beach Um and they, they did a, they did beach training, and he said that he did that on purpose because he knew the facilities they were going to didn't have all the things that they have at home. They didn't have all the you know the fancy training equipment or recovery equipment or you know, massage staff that they probably have or, or medical training staff or whatever. Probably brought the necessities with them. Um, they you know they stayed in a shitty hotel. With you know the bare minimum, they didn't have the cafeteria they always have. They didn't have the nice training pitches. They they didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have the training staff on hand waiting to give them a water bottle, whatever they wanted. He made the players uncomfortable in preseason to train them to play when they were uncomfortable on the road, because he doesn't want them to you know have everything ideal when they're training, and then they get to the point where they actually have to do the stuff, and it's not ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Because yep. life isn't ideal. So you have to train in less than ideal conditions to be able to perform in less than ideal conditions. And the road is always less than ideal conditions. And I think that's brilliant. And, and it's 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 an underrated move by a bunch by a coach that has been around the league a while and knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Because we see so many like and Lane and I is a perfect example. And not that Clearly, they have won. They have a championship. They have Open Cup. They have a Leagues Cup, whatever. Clearly, they are not a bad way to do things. As much as we may not like them, we have to respect them. But they have top of the line everything. You know, they attract a bunch of talented, expensive players because they have the top of the line stadium and locker rooms and training facilities and all that. And Osprey knows we don't have that here. And it's not that our facilities are bad. It's not like our stadium's bad. Obviously, our stadium's amazing, but it's it's not like we're gonna win a big dick contest with Atlanta because we're not. So what he has to do is he has to make sure that our players are able to perform in Atlanta, in Kansas City, in Columbus, which is a hard place to play in these hostile road environments and he has to make sure his team is level-headed even keeled and able to perform in all those environments when they get there so it shows to me 
a an astounding awareness of what his situation is and what his team has to do to perform. Now the home form that is completely different. It and we can talk about that at a different point. If we could take you know one point eight at home and one point eight on the road, that would be incredible. Yeah, that's honestly. And I I know Oscar says he wants to take two points a game at home. And I'm sure he's coming up with with ways to work on that. But, you know, I I think that is why I think it's Oscar Pereja is why our teams is are is performing better on the road than everyone else. Uh, I I agree. Also, his defensive pressing system is a thing of beauty. Yeah, we're not pressing the the man. We're pressing passing lanes. We're we're trapping people. We're pressing different points of the pitch at different in different games. Um, he's his pressing is very good. If we were to hit that one point eight, I just did the math real quick. If we were to hit that one point eight home and away average, we're looking at sixty one points. That would have gotten us second last season, and that was in a record setting New England. Um, in 2019, since 2020 was a little rough, NYCFC had 64 points in 2019. So we would be at 61 if we were to average that across the entire season. So that would be exciting. Um, last thing I'm going to point out here, because I, I think it's fair to say, um, and I know you didn't see it, so so no worries on this, but I thought Perea had a better performance. I think it's just fair to shout that out, uh, considering I've been critical of him. Um and I just kind of want to point out that we need to remember that players can learn from mistakes. Um, so, like, even though players make mistakes, even though players, like, can have these poor moments, there's always the opportunity for that player to learn from it and then move on. So, referencing Chris Mueller against Chicago again, sorry to everyone who didn't want to hear that, but it is what it is. Um, what is Perea's current status in your mind where do you where have you where do you rank him right now fourth on the depth chart maybe maybe not rank rank is probably a bad word my bad um where do you just kind of see his progression as a player from where we saw him two years ago maybe not rank i think he is is fighting for his spot right now on the roster because you know we have the players who worked out like you know, Robin Johnson, right? Uh, he's a signing that has absolutely worked out, and his spot on the roster is unquestioned going forward. He will, as long as he is playing at the level he is playing, he will have a starting job with Orlando City. Andres Perea has not progressed exact, or even Savas Mendes is a better example of a guy that has progressed in a reasonable expectation into a level that we feel comfortable playing him whenever. Andres Perea has not done that. And it's not to say he's a horrible player, but MLS is a league of, of a certain level and you need to be able to progress the ball to play in it. And players that are not good at progressing the ball struggle in MLS in midfield. It is literally that simple until he gets good at that particular skill. He's not going to be at the standard. And so it's not that I hate Andres Perea because I don't. It's just I don't think that his style of play is good enough to play in MLS as it currently stands. And so he needs to improve to prove that he is, you know, worthy of an MLS roster spot four years removed from his signing. 
Has it been that long already? It's either three or four, right? I think it's this is his this third is, season. Is his he third? Was, okay, but next year I think will he was be his twenty twenty. Yeah, but next next year would be his fourth. So he's fighting for next year's roster because we're we're not getting anything for him if we sell him. No, not yet. Not 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 right now. No. Yeah, so it would, it would be a straight up cut. Yep. So I I agree with that. I, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, I thought he had a good performance, so I just wanted to shout that out. Um, Mar- Maraima asks, you finally got to see Williams. What are your thoughts? So that's um, based on the rewatch that we did last week, and I posted the audio on the podcast feed, so uh, if you didn't get to watch it, you can always listen to it. Um, Obviously, watching it is a lot better, but that's on the website if you want to check it out. But basically, I brought up the point of maybe we could have brought Thomas Williams in. We did not against Chicago. We did in this match. It was 2-0, so clearly it was just Pareja wanted it to be a little bit more comfortable, um, which is what a lot of people in response said. Um, what are my thoughts? I Personally, I didn't see enough of anything and that's just because it was literally three minutes like it's just three minutes of thomas williams he went out there he ran around but that's exactly what i wanted i didn't want him to be fully green i wanted him to just be on a pitch for a couple minutes so if there is an injury um that's that that he's not coming in fully green and then final question here um from tesho time at forever our city adam any concerns about mutinho's speed a word no do i have to elaborate on that no um no you don't i think no he's a good player yeah i he's actually been extremely good this season um way better than he has been in seasons past uh we talked about it on the rewatch i am worried about him going down to injury uh he looks fit and fine right now but that can change in an instant so i'm just i'm just again being nervous uh, but may, maybe I, th- I think the, the cup game is a perfect time to, to rest him, get Cal Smith on the yeah, left, who on the right Kyle Smith and who on in the cup game. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, let's just, let's not overplay Moutinho. Uh, let's not. Cause yeah. he's been As, fantastic this season. It, my problem with him has never been his quality. It has been two things. One, his, you know, consistent injured status and two, his slow regaining of form post-injury and that he has always had a few bad games post-injury where he's getting used to everything again uh, before he finally regains his form and then he'll we'll have him for like four or five games and he'll get injured again that's always been my problem with him that's why i thought he was unreliable to have as a roster option you're depending on it has never been a problem with what he is quality in form that's always been fine Agreed. All right. Well, this has been a a great episode. Obviously, after a 2-0 win, we are clearly hyped up, have a lot of of thoughts. Um, Adam, thanks for staying up late with me. What was that? These are always fun after good wins. (laughs) Yeah, they are. It's it's the ones after losses that are hard to get through, but but we do it because we love it. Um, Maybe not the losses, of course. But uh, um, yeah, definitely easier after a big win. Adam... Any events coming up for Cappy's food truck? 
Yes, we will be at Broken Strings Brewery in two days. It is still two days. It is 11.55. In two days on Wednesday, April 20th, 4.20, where we will be participating in totally legal activities and having a pregame party at Broken Strings for the Orlando City Open Cup match against the Rowdies. Uh, I got a game day special. It is the Better Than Tampa Honey Cuban. It's fire. It's really good. You should come try it. And uh, yeah, come say hi. And, you know, we did um, we did before the Chicago match. It was fun. We got to meet a bunch of cool people. Um, Broken Strings is an awesome host. Everyone's super cool there. Um, they got great beer. They hooked us up. So yeah, come out. It's It's a great time. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, Broken Strings is on Church Street, just a little bit of ways away from the stadium, not yeah, it's far. A like you can walk, walk the there. Stadium. Yeah, it is it, a very short walk. Yeah, very short walk. You you can go there before the game, pull it up on your phones, um, go pregame over there, get a beer, get some great food from Cappy's Food Truck. I will try to make my way down there um, on Wednesday. Uh, so thank you, Adam, for putting in all that hard work because uh, I cannot wait to eat that. Honey Cuban, or sorry, the what is it? The, Beat Tampa Honey Cuban. It is the better than Tampa's Honey Cuban. Okay, so I there's a let me look up the name of the the sandwich shop. West Tampa Sandwich Shop. Okay, there's a there's a sandwich place in Tampa called West Tampa Sandwich Shop that President Obama visited uh, when he was president. And he ordered a Cuban sandwich with honey on it. Now, West Tampa Shop does several things extremely incorrectly. One, they put salami on their Cubans, like most places in Tampa, which is not correct because it, it doesn't belong on a Cuban sandwich. It is, it is not. It doesn't add anything, right? The ham's already salty. Put roast pork as well. You don't need salami on it. And then they they drizzle the honey on top rather than putting it like in the sandwich it's like super messy and sticky and it's hard to eat so what i did i replaced the honey must the regular um mustard with honey mustard and then i i drizzled honey on the meat inside the sandwich so it's a sweet cuban but it's also like easy and not messy to eat therefore making it and it doesn't contain salami which is i think addition by subtraction not that i don't like salami it's just it just it just doesn't belong um, so I call it the better than Tampa's honey Cuban because it is, you know, taking something that was created in Tampa and just making it better. Like we do in Orlando, not that soccer was created in Tampa, but we're, but we're better than them. So that is the theme of this game day special against the Rowdies who we are better than Vamos Orlando. I genuinely cannot wait to eat that. Yep, it's a late one. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. You can find Adam there. You can find him at Kosher Taco Truck. Let's go ahead and get out of here, Adam. Vamos, Orlando. Vamos. See y'all on Wednesday. Yeah!